be focused on in the days to come. The great unknown has been the subject of many movies and books and even scientific research. The unknown can be frightening. Listen, one article I recently read says this, the future seems ominous or at the very least uncertain. And that uncertainty puts people on edge. And then the article referenced an experiment that was uh, conducted scientifically a few years back. And, and this is the way the experiment went. They took two groups of people, and these people agreed to be shocked. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I could never be an electrician because I squeal when I get shocked. I mean, it horrifies me. I do not like electricity. But these people agreed to be shocked. So we had, they had one group, and they hooked them up to the electrodes, and then they had another group, and they hooked them up, and they were all ready and willing. But one group was told, you're going to receive 20 real strong shocks. And then the other group was told, you're going to receive three strong shocks and 17 mild shocks. And then they, they monitored them and their heart rate and how they would respond. Well, what they found out was, is the group that knew they would receive 20 strong shocks were not as affected as the ones who only received three and 17 mile ones, but they didn't know when the strong shocks were coming. The conclusion of the study was this. It was not the uncertainty that caused their discomfort. Not it was the intensity, and it wasn't the intensity of the shocks. It was the fact that they didn't know. The group that knew what was coming, they were fine. Their heart rates were lower. They didn't sweat as much. They were not as nervous as the group that was shocked just three times and then mild shock. So I, I, it, it caught my attention. Here's, here's another thing I read this week. Uh, this is so interesting. Uh, from an old mariner's chart drawn in 1525, on display in the British Museum in London, outlining the North American coastline and adjacent waters. The cartographer made some intriguing notations on areas of the map that represented regions not yet explored. He wrote, and he has this map, and there's some regions not explored. And he wrote on one of those unexplored regions, he wrote this, here be giants. And on another region of the map that they had not yet explored, he wrote, here be fiery scorpions. And on another area of the map not yet explored, he wrote, here be dragons. Eventually, the map came into the possession of Sir John Franklin, a British explorer in the early 1800s. Drawing a line through the fearful inscriptions, he wrote these words across the map, here is God. When he explored those areas, he didn't find all the things that the first guy had put down. He found God. Now, church, I want to share something with you today that you already know. You know this as a child of God. You know this very well. In all those areas in your life that have not yet been explored, in the uncharted territories of your life, into the future, into the great unknown. 
He's already there. God is already there. The God we love, the God we serve, the God we worship, the God we trust, the God who watches over us, the one and only Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is already there. And that's a great deal of comfort. I'm just telling you, man, that comforts me. People are asking me a lot right now, where are we going from here? What will happen? How long will we be isolated? Uh, I don't know. And obviously, listening to the news, no one knows. I don't know where we go from here. But I know this. God is already there. He's already with us. And that comforts us. And for that reason, for that reason, we should make a choice. No fear. We don't have to be afraid. As children of God, we choose faith, not fear. Fear will create monsters. It will, it will create things that aren't there. It will keep us uptight, and it will keep us from serving the Lord our God. We don't choose fear. We choose faith. And when you choose faith in an ever-present faithful God, it calms your heart. It calms your spirit. It, it causes you to relax even in the midst of adversity, and know that God is with you. Now, I don't want to sound morbid here, but I do want to tell you the truth. There's a pretty good chance that somehow, some way, someday, we're all going to die. Unless, unless Jesus returns first. And I got to tell you, I'd like to just stop here and set up camp for a while. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing the trumpet of God? Can you imagine hearing the voice of the archangel? Can you imagine that eastern sky separating and the Lord of lords and the King of kings descending? Can you imagine what that will be like, graves bursting open? And then we take our flight and we go up together to meet them in the air. Man, man, how awesome. How awesome. What a, what a prayer. What a focus. I guess it's been 50 years ago that I heard that old country preacher say, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I'm looking for the one who's going to take me up in the air. Listen to this. If someone were to ask you, how does the Bible conclude? What's the last thing the Bible says to us? After everything had been written and summed up, what's the last thing we find in Scripture? Well, I'm about to share it with you. The last 17 words of the Bible say this. This is Revelation 22, 20, and 21. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Oh, friends, after, after all the Bible had been written, after the history and the wisdom literature and the prophets and the gospels, after everything had been written, this is the conclusion. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And until then, may the grace of God 
be upon you all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you all. So you see, the question is not, never has been, never will be. Christians, listen to me carefully. It never has been. Will you die? That's not the question. The question is, will you live? Will you live by faith? Will you live under the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you serve Him? Will you be His until that grand and glorious day when He either splits the sky and comes back for us or He chooses to take you home to be with Him? Not focused on death, not even questioning death, but focused on life and living for Him. All the people around me have heard this story multiple times, but about six or seven years ago, I was told by my doctors that I had cancer. I've now had two bouts with cancer, but I have to tell you, I was a little bit ashamed of myself. The first time I found out I had cancer, uh, I was spun out there for a while. Man, I, it, it, I was shaken, and I started praying, and I was seeking an answer from God. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and did not get an answer. And then finally I cried out to the Lord. Lord, am I going to die? And I tell you the truth, the Holy Spirit spoke to me immediately. And this is what the Spirit of the Lord said to me. Of course you're going to die. Haven't you been reading your Bible? It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And I have to tell you, I laughed out loud, and it was a breakthrough for me because I realized that I was asking the wrong question. God didn't want me to ask him if I was going to die. He wanted me to ask him, am I going to live for you? Am I going to serve you? Am I, will I be a man of faith? Will, will, will I be a, a person who lives for you until that appointed glorious day of entering into the kingdom of God? You see, if there's ever been a time uh, to make a choice, it's now. Of course, I think this is always the case. But making a choice makes a difference. It really does make a big difference to choose, to consciously choose no fear. Fear and faith don't work together. They're incompatible. Don't choose fear. Choose faith. Choose real, genuine, deep, sincere faith. The kind of faith that cannot be shaken by the winds of adversity. The kind of faith that holds on regardless of what comes down the pike. And friends, when you do that, when I do that, we start living. That's when we become more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. That's when we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's when all things work together for good to those who love the Lord enter the called according to his purpose. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but there will always be another adversity. There's always another adversity. Once the coronavirus is gone, and it will go, there will be something else to fear if you choose to fear. There's always something to fear. But listen, if you choose faith, if you choose genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you get in the Word, you get in prayer, you get in communion, you get in fellowship with a holy God. When you choose that, then friends, it doesn't matter what comes down the road. It'll just be another chapter in a faith-filled life covered with the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ.
And that's what God wants out of us. I, I have a testimony here from a member of our church. Her name is Susan. And she sent this to me, and I'll just read it to you. But this is, this is pretty amazing, in it? This is about faith. This is about God watching over us. She said, I'm so grateful that a man by the name of Larry was listening to God when he spoke to him on Saturday morning. Without him listening and obeying God, no telling how this story may have ended for me. This past Saturday morning, March 14th, the day of my daughter's wedding, I made a choice while visiting at her cabin to make a morning walk up a hillside behind the cabin with my dog Pepper. With a cup of coffee in hand, up the wooded hillside I went. When I reached the top, I saw at a distance this donkey my daughter had been telling me about that was appearing behind the cabin, acting friendly. While I'm standing there admiring the scenery, I began to notice the donkey beginning to get closer to me. I remained still till finally we were face to face. I began stroking his snout and speaking friendly to him. About that time, a man in a nearby cabin came out and asked if I was okay. I said yes, and I was at the time. Then after a few moments, the donkey still next to me, I found out later his name was Michael, decided he wanted to push his head against my left arm forcibly, and he tried to nip me. I gently stepped backward to turn away slowly, but he came at me again. So then I started saying, Shoo, get away. But he wouldn't, and he tried to nip me again. Suddenly, he got up on his hind legs and then tried to set uh, rest on me. Now I'm scared and not sure what to do. Finally, after several attempts to get him away and the donkey still trying to climb on me, I began to scream for help, hoping someone would hear me. At a distance, I heard the man Larry yell back, Michael, get back. But Michael, the donkey, was relentless and kept after me. Suddenly I slipped and fell on my side. As I was laying on the ground, the donkey Michael ran toward me with his legs lifted high over me. I screamed, no, get away. And then the donkey laid his full upper body on me and started biting me. I'm screaming bloody murder, and by now, oh God, help me, please help me. That's when the man named Larry came running with a large limb toward the donkey. He whacked the donkey hard, yelling at him, and successfully got the donkey off of me and away. I jumped up and hurried back to the cabin, crying, but so grateful, and falling on my knees, thanking God for his mercy and grace, and for the man named Larry. A bit later, the gentleman Larry came uh, walking up to the cabin to check on me. When I saw him, I hugged his neck, thanking him over and over. Then Billy asked him, how did he know I needed help? Listen to this now. Larry told him, he was studying his Bible lesson, as usual, about that time every morning when suddenly God spoke to him and told him, go outside. He said he didn't know why, but when God speaks to him, he listens. I'm so grateful he listened. Now, two days later, I'm very sore and bruised up, but I'm so grateful and thankful and, most importantly, still alive. Thank you, Lord, for your saving grace in my time of need. Isn't that a great story? When I heard that, the first thing that came to my mind was Proverbs 15.3. I want you to look at that, Proverbs 15.3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God's watching. 
God's got his eyes on us, on everything, the evil and the good. Child of God, listen to me this morning. I want to encourage you with these words. God is watching. His eyes are on us. His eyes are on all of us, but especially those who choose faith. Those who choose to hope in God. Those who choose to trust in His grace and His mercy. Those who trust in the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins. You see, people who do that, I believe with all my heart, even though God's watching everybody, I believe God especially watches those people. I'm telling you, if you put your faith and trust in Him, You'll never get lost in the crowd. You won't. And his eyes will be on you. You'll never be out of his sight. God cares for you. God will lead you. He will guide you. He will bless you. He will favor you. I'm not trying to tell you for a moment that you won't go through many adversities between now and heaven. But I am telling you that God will be with you. He will see you through. His blessings will be upon you until he grants you the greatest of all blessings, and that is he takes you home to be with him in glory. <coughs> Excuse me. The Apostle Paul made it clear in his writings. He said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The best is yet to come. The world's in a mess right now, and you may be going through your own set of difficulties and problems, but I don't want to tell you. God's watching you. He's got his eyes on you, and he'll be there for you. Uh, I, I had an experience this past Thursday that uh, was kind of unusual for me. I think some, some of you have talked about things like this, but I had a good friend of mine in my truck with me, and we wanted to get something to eat, and all the lobbies and the restaurants were closed, so we had to pull through a drive through window. And we were pulled into the drive through window. I said to him, I'm buying your lunch today. And he said to me, no, I'm buying your lunch today. And we just got in this little argument there. I'm, I, I said, no, I'm buying. He said, no, I'm buying your lunch today. I said, no. I said, we can fight if you want to, but I'm buying your lunch today. And we, we were just teasing so we placed our order and we pulled up to the window. And as we pulled up to the first window, the lady there at the window was leaning all the way outside the window, looking both ways like this. And she had this huge smile on her face. And when we pulled up to that first window to pay, she said the first words out of her mouth were these, no charge. That's what she said. No charge. And then, leaning out, she points to the car ahead of us, and she said, the lady in that car bought your lunch today. And we just started laughing, and, and it was a little thing. It didn't involve a lot of money, but to me, it had God written all over it. Now, on my side, I was driving. I couldn't get the door open. So I reached down and grabbed a handful of crosses, handed it to my buddy, and I said, go up there and give these crosses to her. So he runs up, taps on the window. She rolls the window down. He gives her these crosses and says, we're Christians. Thank you for what you just did. She said, I'm a Christian. And we were, we were all laughing and rejoicing. And I was thinking about that. In a world full 
of uncertainty. Here was a woman who was acting like a Christian. Here's a woman who was acting like a child of God. She, she, she wasn't in panic mode. She was in ministry mode. And, and, and it just, it, it touched my heart. I, I can tell you, friends, the light was coming on for me. What a time when the world is paralyzed by fear. That's the greatest time for us to practice our faith with uh, confidence, with certainty. And, and, and I, I also thought about a, a scripture related to that. And it's this scripture, Matthew 10, 42. It says, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. My mind just runs away sometime with me. But as I read that verse, I thought about one of these days in heaven, there's going to be a reward ceremony, and God is going to pick up this one and say, this is the Burger King reward, uh, and it goes to, and I'm going to get to see that woman again. This is the Burger King reward. You bought two of my boys lunch, and if you give just a cup of water, if you buy just a hamburger, just do something for the glory of God. Today I'm calling on every member of River of Life to get engaged in ministry, to start ministering. It's not just the staff. We want to encourage you. But this is the time for every member to start ministering. This is a time for us to shine. This is a time for us to live up to our name, River of Life. Wherever the river of life flows, there is life. Now, of course, this is what you want to do. You want to pray and ask God. I know it's unusual and this social distancing and staying home, but ask God to give you some, some ideas of how you can minister. And, and I'm going to give you two ideas right now. I'm going to ask every member of River of Life. I heard some of uh, Derek's uh, Bible study class this morning, and he and I are on the same track. But I'm going to ask every member of the church of River of Life to take a $20 bill, put it in your pocket, just a $20 bill, and this week give it to somebody. It's not much, but just give it to somebody. Now, now by the way, if you're blessed, make it 50. If you're extremely blessed, make it 100. But just put it in your pocket, and when the Holy Spirit tells you, just give it to somebody, and give it in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, you'll have your reward, but God will also use that in the here and now. The second thing I want to ask every member of this church to do is for every member, every day, while we're separated physically, not spiritually, but while we're separated, I want to ask every member of the church to call two members of the church and just encourage them in the Lord. Just two. I, I got my calculator out, and, and I want to tell you, if, if just the people listening right now, just the people listening right now would do that. Just call another Christian. Encourage them. Call people. Don't call the same person every day now. Call, call different people. Thousands of people would be contacted, ministered to. Say a word of prayer. All you got to do, I've been doing it for days. Hey, I was just thinking about you. God put you on my heart. Love you. Praying for you. If you need me, I'm here for you. You, you don't have to do any more than that. Just do that. Now, what I want to do today as we close is I want to lead us in a prayer. And this is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful prayer. 
And here's what I want to say. If you're walking in close, intimate fellowship with the Lord, and I know many, many of you are. I've never pastored a church with so many truly mature, committed, dedicated saints of God. If you're walking in intimate fellowship with the Lord right now, you are going to enjoy praying this with us. It will bless you. If you're a Christian and you know you are a Christian, but you also know you're not right with the Lord right now, you know some things need to change. And you need this to be a, a day of renewal. Then this prayer will help you get right back into the center of God's will if you mean it with all of your heart. And maybe best of all, if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, if you're not sure, and friends, you are going to spend eternity somewhere. You remember I talked about we're all going to die? I heard Billy Graham say one time, the death rate never changes. War doesn't increase the death rate. Epidemics and uh, don't increase the death rate. Nothing ever increases the death rate. It's the same for every generation. One death per person. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. One death per person. Well, friends, if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, if you'll pray this prayer with us, it will change your life. It'll save your soul. It'll make it possible for you to enter right into the family of faith, never to be the same again. Are you ready? We're going to pull it up on the screen. We're going to pray it together. I hope you'll pray it right out loud. Lord Jesus, I come before you just as I am. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. In your name, I forgive all others for what they have done against me. I renounce Satan, the evil spirits, and all their works. I give you my entire self, Lord Jesus, now and forever. I invite you into my life, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord, God, and Savior. Heal me, change me, strengthen me in body, soul, and spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, cover me with your precious blood and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I shall follow you every day of my life. Amen. May God bless you. Uh, We will be back live uh, again Wednesday night. Beyond Wednesday night, I'm not sure. We're meeting with our board uh, and making decisions together, and we're really taking it week by week, uh, as everyone is. But we will keep you informed through text, through emails, through our website, and we'll try to make announcements on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. May God bless you. Wash your hands, stay safe, rejoice in the Lord, become a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a great day in the Lord. God bless you.